where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, power partners, hello. It is Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We are together again. It means that it is Wednesday. So thank you so much for joining me here as we come to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel where our team of uh, crew and engineers and social media and and all the all of the people that work at Voice America work so hard to make these shows just phenomenal. So I send out my gratitude to everyone. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are, a charity that brings you this radio show. We really hope that you'll go to the website at bethestarur.org and then also go to btsya.org, which are just the initials for the uh, charity Because there you'll be able to see all of the book reviews that our hundreds of volunteers from around the world have done and um, do in cooperation with our partner, The Reading Tub. So if you like a book or you want to read a book, you're going to find lots of information there. Well, this is from Yoko Ono. The human race is a magical race. We have the power of witches and wizards, and we are here to unravel the mystery of this planet. There's an incredible prejudice about witches, while there is no prejudice about wizards. Let's destroy the myths. And the reason I bring that up is this is our show today. It is the season of the witch. We are going to be talking about witch hunts when Heather... Brittany joins me in segment two. We have been, the two of us have been watching some documentaries about the history of witchcraft in Europe and how it began with folk beliefs and uh, religious and classical texts. And so we're going to try to unravel some of the myths and the legends and find out what is a witch? How did the executions of supposed witches begin? Because it was really, really sad when this kind of hysteria starts. So that is we're going to examine the history of witchcraft uh, in segment two. But right now, I want to talk to you about pools because, to me, happiness is a day by the pool. I I call it splish splash because I can totally remember the first time I learned to swim. Well, I actually, I'm not exactly sure if I learned to swim in our creek behind our house on the farm or if it was the big round cattle trough in the heel. But I swam in both. And in fact, I know for a fact that I learned to dive in the cattle trough and I gathered my sisters and brothers and all the farm workers' kids and took them up to the cattle trough because I was going to teach them how to dive. And I stood on the top. These cattle troughs are maybe, what, mm, two and a half feet tall. 
and they were these big, great, big, round metal aluminum things that um, were actually handmade in those days. I stood on the top of the ledge. I dove in, and when I came up, I was completely bloody. I didn't know I was bloody. Everybody was screaming, and I was going, ta-da, that's how it's done. And it turned out I had hit a bolt on the bottom of the the cow trough and um, my chin had been cut open. So I still do have that, that mark on the bottom of my chin of cutting myself open while I was teaching people to dive. But anyway, growing up on the ranch, both locations really offered a cool respite from the heat of the day. However, my favorite pool was the makeshift pool that happened at the end of the grape harvest, which was usually into September or middle of October, when my dad would wash out the gigantic tanks, and he had built these as well, that were used to haul the grapes to the winery. So he would fill the bins with well water, and then we would have this instant deep swimming pool that would be like six feet deep, although it did have the strong scent of fermentation and splashing around in that pink water. It was just grand amusement for all of us. We thought we had a real swimming pool. But by the time I was a freshman in high school, our parents decided it was time for a real pool because we lived in the boondocks. We were 12 miles from the nearest town. And they knew that if maybe we had a swimming pool, all of our friends would come and hang out at our house. And then my parents could keep a watchful eye on their five children. So you know, most people hire a contractor, but not my dad. He got on his Caterpillar truck tractor. He dug a big hole, and he built us a pool. <laughs> and true to their expectations, the pool was an instant hit, complete with a plethora of screaming teens playing Marco Polo. And then my mom went to work landscaping around the pool. She created lounge areas. She installed umbrellas. She added two brick circles with wrought iron patio tables and chairs and of course she had plenty of containers of flowers and that original pool is still the focal point of our ranch entertainment when we gather as a family for swimming and barbecues and bonfires and family fun although of course now the family has gone from seven to I think we're close to 55 so that's how family grows the next best thing to an an ocean a lake or a river is a pool and having a pool in your backyard really offers a bucolic vista with the sensibility of nature now not everybody can have a pool not everybody has the room for a pool and sometimes it could be too expensive unless your dad happens to want to jump on a tractor and dig a hole as mine did But a swimming pool can really anchor a landscape, and learning to swim is a necessary life skill, and the exercise of swimming is one of the very best full-body workouts. It's something that I I really attempt to do uh, at least three to four times a week is to get swimming in for about 20 minutes, although when the pools aren't heated and it gets down to about 45 degrees, I have to tell you, I just jump in and run around for about, I don't know, a nanosecond. (laughs) That's about all I can do, but I really do love the water. Now, a lot of research has been done on the calming effects that being around water has on humans. Stress levels are lowered by designs with both green and blue spaces. Green being the plants and trees, and blue are water features. 
I do admit I am a water baby and I'm a total nature girl and I have an urgent need to be surrounded by both all the time. So whether you want to incorporate a pool that resembles a natural lake or a lap pool for strenuous swimming, having a private pool really does offer you, your family and your friends years of enjoyment while enhancing the beauty of your garden. Now, children and teens not only get playful exercise, but the pool becomes a hub of activity for birthday parties and other celebrations. And like my parents, you will know where your kids are and with whom at all times. Now, recently, there have been some articles written about um, about putting in a pool and what I why I wanted to bring it up at this time of the year is because that this is the best time if you're thinking of putting in a pool this is the best time to start planning it because it does take about eight months nine months sort of like the time to birth the baby to get your pool together so if you are thinking about next summer you better start looking at your budget And also consider adding solar because it'll help for both the economic and environmental benefits. And that big splash of water to your landscape, it is the month to take the plunge in order to be ready for the next summer season. And although I do savor the memories of swimming in the cattle trough and the grape tank, I don't think I'll be ready to dip in those any longer, although I do still swim in creeks. <laughs> There's a couple of gardening tips that I just want to give you before we get to our whole show about witchcraft. So first of all, this month, water your lawns and perennials deeply and thoroughly. I know that it is October and that October at least here in California, can still be a very hot and dry month as it can any place in the West. In fact, October is the time for fires and earthquakes and uh, we have to be on the alert. So you probably aren't going to have your sprinklers on. So make sure that you water deeply. If you see that plants are drooping, it means they're thirsty. Now, irrigate succulents, cactus, and native specimens very sparingly as their water requirements are minimal and you could actually drown them. And especially if you live in areas like New Mexico or Arizona um, or down the south, you don't want to water your succulents too much. Continue to hydrate yourself constantly. Don't garden in the heat of the day as you could get dangerously dehydrated. Toil in the morning and in the evening. It's time to cut back hollyhocks to the ground once they finish flowering. Save the seed pods to share with friends. And then, interestingly, as soon as you throw the seeds, within a few weeks, you'll see a new green growth. Kind of looks like squash. And they'll continue to thrive because they are a perennial. Prune trees that have fruited after harvesting. Any small trees probably need to be staked because winter winds and October winds can be strong. Continue deadheading roses and flowering perennials to prolong the blooms until winter. Uh, Make sure to donate to Operation Fire Relief to help all the California recovery as well as hurricane relief. Go to bethestarur.org. Rake leaves as they fall and put them in a compost bin. And if you can shred the leaves, they will compost quicker. Keep mulch away from the trunks of trees and around shrubbery. 
And then here's the good one for everyone. Begin preparations for, to renew your lawns. October is the month to reseed or install a new lawn. And you might want to research the types of grass seeds you want to install. But I'm a huge fan of Pearl's Premium. And I have negotiated a wonderful discount for my listeners to this radio show. And I don't get anything for it. It's just for you. If you go to pearlspremium.com before October 31st to buy any seed and in checkout, put in star 20. That's S-T-A-R 20. You will get a 20% discount on any other seed. And I promise you it is the best seed. The roots can grow 20 inches. Some places they grow even deeper and it doesn't need a lot of water. Um, And so in some parts of the United States that are listening to me right now, it's time to get your grass planted. California might be a little bit later. So we hope that you um, enjoy enjoy the rest of October. If you're growing pumpkins, make sure to place some hay under them to keep them from rotting. When we come back from break, Heather Brittany will be with me and we are going to be talking about witch hunts and the season of the witch. Stay with me. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back. Be the star you us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, it's always a party when Heather Brittany joins us to offer up some of her insights and expertise. She is with me now, and today's show is the season of the witch. We are going to be talking about witch hunts. We were together recently, and 
we were both, in, you know, just fascinated by documentaries that we watched about witches and kind of found it so unbelievable that people could be so close-minded. So, hello, Heather. Thanks for coming on. Hello, hello. I'm so glad to have you with us. Well, with Halloween around the corner, it really does seem appropriate to be discussing witchcraft because images of witches have appeared in various forms throughout history, from evil, wart-nosed, huddling over the cauldron, boiling liquids, to cackling, riding you know, in the sky on brooms, wearing pointy hats, or they could be the sweet, benevolent, nose-twitching, like bewitched <laughs> suburban housewife, <laughs> or the awkward teenager learning to control her powers, or like the three charm sisters battling the forces of evil. But um, we're going to talk about this today because early witches were just people who were considered to practice witchcraft using magic spells, calling upon spirits to help or to bring out change. And so... What I have found in, you know, when, when we were watching the documentaries and then research I was doing is that early witches were thought to be pagans during the devil's work. But in reality, they were just, a lot of them were just natural healers or wise women who, whose choice of a profession was very misunderstood. Tell us a little bit about uh, your interpretation of what witchcraft was or is or, and, you know, how it all got started. Yeah, and you know what's so fascinating? I feel like especially in this current year and just women empowerment and that whole kind of thing of reclaiming names and uh, or how things can have uh, a negative and a positive or how those change, uh, where we see this kind of view of witch and this pagan view, well, before if you trace it back, even for kind of slide it back up the tulip pole, is earlier things kind of getting into this view of multiple gods and goddesses that witches, if you know, they didn't necessarily use the word witch. They were um, various in all the cultures, you know, especially in tribal cultures. Women were honored. They were the goddesses. They were this thing as this, uh, when we come more into Christianity, becomes the you know, Eve is the ultimate sinner and the cause of all suffering in life. You know, damn the woman. Um, and they even view that uh, Eve is actually on the first notion that they view that she is, in a sense, uh, a witch. And um, so anyways, what I'm trying to get to is that earlier, witches were just viewed, just as you mentioned, as people that were part of the earth, that these healing, in a sense, um, medicine women. Um, they were some of the first midwives. Um, as modern medicine was not what it is today, um, and before then, that people were relying on herbal medicines and you know, something that we view from... Thing we kind of see now is Chinese or Eastern medicine, um, and so to this day is practiced. And it's ironic that now you know the things that were almost once outlawed are now concealed. You know, holistic. They were holistic healers. Is considered uh, very in trend. So far back then, um, as slowly you know as uh, religion starts to develop and Christianity and um, eventually getting into the Inquisition, that uh, people that this whole view of of God and man and um, sort of uh, his story uh, starts um, the view right, of these story. women who are in touch with the earth slowly um, and with nature and being healers slowly um, the names start to change and the views and women um, start to be viewed more as the cause of these issues and um, you know we can trace it back and we now 
I mean, we look, we, these are things that have been examined for so long of just how, uh, I mean, the Bible especially, that women don't really have the greatest roles <laughs> in the story. Um, it's either that they are absolutely terrible or that they are, you know, the mother of Jesus. <laughs> so with Christianity coming in with the Inquisition, um, people who do not uh, you know, believe with the church, slowly they were outcast, blacklisted, and uh, since the witch hunt began. And, um, man, I mean, gosh, it was so terrible. Just even, I think of now thinking of body marks on me, of moles and freckles, of, uh, or just feeling, uh, you know, feeling just someone who believes in holistic health, of how we would totally be assumed as witches at this time. Um, I mean, for yourself, I mean, I, there's something I feel like just growing up, um, you know, you think of the witch. I, just you said, I, the idea, I think of someone that's old and haggard and right, uh, right. Has a bed nose and a broomstick and and the green. You know, I think we we uh, we think of the Wizard of Oz. But then on this right, other those side, were like our weren't those like the favorite witchers? You had the Wicked Witch of the West, and then of course you had Glenda, the Good Witch, and we <laughs> and. I liked them I, both, but the Wicked I, Witch scared feel, me to death. I feel like the the play Wicked is such a great um, metaphor for this all. It's just you know the misunderstood view of that, and <laughs> and exactly you said that you had it's a, it's the good and and it's so interesting to say you know the imagery of it and many women in the beginning that it, it just talked that went in today as as I said that this year I feel like just this continuing this talk this open conversation now of, uh, for women that. You know, we, uh, we've come so far, we still have so much for far to go, we are all equal as humans, we should be on this equal playing field. Um, but to look back in history, I mean, it was just in the last hundred years that as women in America we earned the right to vote, that uh, you, know, you can have land, and these silly, these things that now just seem preposterous. Um, Let's back, talk about that. Then, you know, when without... you said about land, that that became in what I was uh, what I found. It was really interesting because it's really unclear exactly when witches. You know, I put this in parentheses. Came on the historical scene because one of the earliest records was of a witch in the Bible in the Book of Samuel. And it was thought that was written, that was between 931 B.C. and 721 B.C. And it tells the story of, of when King Saul sought the witch of Endor to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit to help him defeat the Philistines. But the witch roused Samuel, and Samuel prophesied the death of Saul and his sons. And the next day, according to the Bible, Saul's sons died in battle, and then Saul committed suicide. So, you know, what she said came true. So, of course, she was considered a witch. And then another Old Testament. And then that's launching the complete hysteria in Europe. Exactly. In the 1800s. Exactly. That, and in Exodus twenty two eighteen, there's just, it's how many words? Two, four, six. There's eight words that say, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. And that um, biblical passage actually cautioned against all kinds of divination, chanting, or using witches, and which ended up um, really causing the hysteria that took hold in Europe during the mid-1400s. And, um, oh, you my probably- goodness. More than you know, 80,000 80, women were accused. Isn't that correct? Turned to yeah. witches. 80, between the years of 1500 and 1660, 80,000 uh, suspected wishes, uh, witches <laughs> were put to death in Europe. Uh. 80,000. And, you know, that Malleus um, Maleficarum, 
That was a publication I written was, by... I was waiting for you to pronounce that, Sam. Okay, not, I, I was hoping. Thank you. No, Thank yes. You. Okay, yeah. It was written by two well-respected German Dominicans. Again, it's, you know, we're looking at Christianity here in 1486. Again, a book by men. I know, a book by men. The, the Hammer of Witches. And it was essentially a guide on how to identify, hunt, and interrogate women to see if they were witches. And if you were a witch, it was heresy. And then it quickly became the authority for both Protestants and Catholics, just pretty much anyone who was like in the Christian uh, belief, to flesh out witches that lived among them. And this was went on for over a hundred years and the book sold more copies in Europe during that time, again, written in 1486, than any other book except the Bible. And what I wanted to get to um, in after, I was just so, when I read this, I was like so shocked because it's not like any of these people, um, uh, any of these women, you know, they weren't doing anything. They were just perhaps, perhaps they were being a midwife, you know, and, and birthing the babies or um, doing some kind of chant or saying what we would might call a prayer or a riddle. And, uh, or, you know, if they got mad at somebody and they would say something like, I curse you. And yeah, I, you know, she, exactly. You know. <laughs> No, you know, the well, then that would be, so I mean, it's just terrible. That now, again, it's, it, it just sort of shows you, again, the ignorance of things, the lack. I feel, I feel like it's so amazing we, we see of our culture currently, and I think the thing is that as a culture right now that we have supposedly and hopefully are supposed to have evolved um, our social content of the, the way we treat each other, and it's amazing to look back at these things and see how these people merely, I mean, these women had no right to their sort of, I mean, one, one of the, what, and during this time, the laws that they had ended torture, they brought back. And as you know, anyone, when you're under torture, you're going, eventually, you're going to confess to things because you want this to end. So you're going to say what you want people to hear. And exactly. one of the ways that they would prove if someone was a quote-unquote witch um, is they would throw them in the, throw them in the Into water. Into the water. And if they sunk, um, then, and they drowned, and they're considered innocent. But if they floated, yeah. they're considered a witch. But either right. way, you're, you're, you're dead. Either way, you're going to die. Because if you float for some, if you, if you manage to, to uh, swim to the top, um, you're condemned. You're, you're going to die. And if you float and drown, well, there you go. You're dead. There you so, go. Well, you know, and getting back to what you were saying about the property, I wanted to get to this after I gave that little bit about the Malleus Maleforum, yeah. is um, the number of executed on charges of witchcraft is not absolutely certain. It's, it's subject to considerable controversy, and that's if we go from the um, 1500s until, you know, the 1800s. But estimates have ranged up to 9 million people. And historians actually accept a figure in the range of um, 40,000 to 100,000 that are, because that's based on public records. But there were probably two or three times that many individuals accused, formally tried for witchcraft, and uh, they could have been executed, etc. But when you start digging deeper, what becomes interesting is why was it women 
about 80% of those executed were women. Sometimes uh, they would execute a husband and a wife if the husband didn't turn against his wife, you know, and say she's a witch. And in some areas, um, you know, men would be accused of, uh, as well. But why was it mostly women? Well, it was because the church itself saw witchcraft alternately, alternatively as superstition that undermined the church teachings. And, um, and of course, men, as you were saying, they were in charge. And so we didn't want women to be in charge at all. And the idea of women's weakness was tied to that whole idea of Eve eating that apple and being tempted by the exactly. devil. Exactly. So, of course, <laughs> that's, of course that's women have to be evil. <laughs> but, I mean, getting, you know, I mean that's, that's the thing that gets that. That I find now, I, I mean, I, I just, it was, you know, sort of this epiphany thing. I feel like in history books, that was never the way I feel like we were always kind of thought of like witches. It was it not really viewed. I feel like now, my goodness, it, it just has this epiphany thing that blows my mind. I just feel that it all brings back to, again, as you mentioned, with um, the Eve being the, the original sin. And that's the way they viewed women, is that they were these women that were weak, that they would fall for lust, that they would fall for, for things that, um, that they were just um, unqualified as men, just as Eve listened to the snake and ate the apple and now everyone assumed that that's what they felt, that the women would fall trapped to uh, the devil and that they were, you know, lovers with the devil. And it's just heartbreaking. And as you mentioned in regards to land, um, that a lot of times that these women were very were old, maybe um, unfriendly, and sometimes, too, women that did not speak the language in the coast. There was a, yeah. one story I was reading that said that there was um, a woman in Germany, and they are in, um, oh gosh, yes, in Germany, that they're trying to have her recite this thing in the Bible, and she didn't speak the language, and so no matter how many times they kept saying it to her, she wasn't able to say it back, and they thought that was proof that she, uh, that she was a witch because she couldn't recite I mean, the words of the Lord, and I mean, things like that are just insane. Or well, also there was there was a there was a dower's rights a dower rights, and it was intended to pre- uh, protect widows. And as we know, many uh, often men would die, and it's still uh, true today. Although women are catching up, would die before a woman um, did, and so then you'd have these single women, and you'd have these widows. And their existence delayed the inheritance of property by male heirs, whether that be sons or nephews or cousins or brothers or whatever that was. So what it meant is that at this most vulnerable time of their life, when their husbands had died, that if they were claimed to be a witch, then all of their property could be taken away from them. And they would have absolutely no rights. So you kill the witch, and now you get to have the house, the estate, the pigs, the cows, you know, all the stuff that, that would make your ha- uh, help yourself happy. So it's, it really, when you dig into it, you just start thinking, wow, it was so bad. I, I mean, I think I'm a good witch. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, that, and I'm you know, proud of it. <laughs> And yeah, and that's something is in in today's culture, and kind of you know, then talking just coming over to America as we all know the Salem witch trials, and and something then just kind of passing on to that thought is 
kind of amazing um, is that there was something published um, by Leslie Bissing, Benjamin Franklin, um, in 1730 that was a satirical article that basically brought to light everything that we've sort of been talking about, that said, like, this is ridiculous. How are these women, how are these people accused? And um, that kind of started to diminish this view of witches. And slowly and surely, um, this kind of mania died down, and then actual laws were passed so that people would stop being wrongly confused or uh, convicted. I mean, it's these things that, um, God, it just it just blows my mind. I mean, these things again. Then we look back at history, and I wonder what they'll look back in the history of the things that we've experienced and laugh at us or think, how could they do this to each other? How could this be a thing? And that kind of brings you now in this new age. Um, you know, I never really thought about it until you just going to mention, you know, things that we see it in pop culture about that show, Charmed. And in that well, show, yeah. um, those, those girls, um, you know, of course, you know, and it's a, a Hollywood show, but they're good witches and they're battling, right. you know, in the end they're saving, you know, the humanity and they're battling, you know, evils. Um, but there are these good witches. And I, I never thought of that female empowerment of doing something positive and viewing it in this um, quote unquote um, witchery or you know, witchcraft on the outside, and, and some people say there is um, not in the sense of religion. It's more I don't want I don't uh, a belief that something a holistic view uh, of Wiccans that there are people yes. that you know, that That's still a, a, this. and it and it's a very um, positive view that they're one of their thing is that they say no harm that they it's really more of this connection with the earth, which we call, you know, another shaman, you know, we call, we have all these other names, I feel one of the biggest things is just lexicon, something getting lost in translation, we have different ways of saying things, and different cultures view the same idea, um, completely different, negative and, and positive, um, and I think it's really beautiful to me, there are these people that basically are just celebrating, you know, the turning of, um, you know, the times from the sun and the moon, the, the equinox. Yeah, they celebrate the, solstice, the earth. And- right, they're celebrating the earth. And actually, we have had um, many different people on, both wizards and witches, good witches and good wizards, good on witches. our show, <laughs> as well as on Express Yourself, to discuss the different things that they are doing to combat this whole idea of of uh, evil spells, you know, and being in cohorts with the devil instead of why aren't we just celebrating the earth, the strength, you know, the inspiration, the beauty of nature, and um, and being more tolerant of everything. And that's been kind of really fun because it opens your mind to so much. But, but you know, getting back to uh, the Salem witch trials, what a really, really sad thing is because that came over from Europe. I mean, uh, it started what the witch, all the witch hunts started in um, what was it in England first, or was it up in Scandinavia first? I'm trying to remember what it, where it was for, first for America. No, no, no. For America, it came from Europe, and that. And that but yeah, it actually is that there's so many different origins of it. That there's in Scotland and Scandinavia. Yes, um, even I mean in Germany there was it's uh, it's it almost kind of gave me chills. It felt very um, Nazi-esque and Holocaust. Right. Um, there was an entire uh, 
city that was nearly wiped out. That nearly everyone was accused um, during the of being a witch. Time, um, well, and of course, in Spain, and men it, and um, and you know, just because they don't have the same beliefs, and it's just. Oh, you know, it's it's amazing to me. And again, that so many of these people, um, part of the the thing with uh, with uh, being accused of a witch is that you uh, first had to stand trial in the sense that you were tor- if you did not confess to it, that then you were tortured to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, my gosh, that just these these the Iron Maiden, these these horrible torture things. I you know I feel for the people that eventually, you know, just have to give up and say whatever. I think yeah, you would the, have to the say horrible whatever. thing to me is in the people, that when they then drag other people into it, that, yeah. you know, they want Well, you know, um, and, I was oh. just thinking about Spain and the Inquisition, which was a terrible thing uh, in the 1400s, but its focus originally was on Jews and heretics, and then it became on witches. And um, they were going around, you know. So it's been around for for such a very long time. And hopefully the more information that people know about it, um, the better. Because that, you know, that really, that can open it up. Because Wiccan, as you were talking about Wiccan, is actually a recognized religion. While witchcraft is not considered a religion. So Wicca can best be described as um, a modern religion, and it's contrary to what witchcraft is all about, because Wicca is peaceful, harmonious, and it's a balanced way of life. Well, let's just take a very quick break, and when we come back, we can talk more about, um, about witches and the witch hunts. And also, I thought maybe we'll talk about the origins of Halloween and some of that, because this is the month of All Hallows' Eve, and where did it all come from? You're listening to Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany right here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network, and we will be right back. Don't go away. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Be the star you The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376. 376 Moraga, California 94556 Be the Dare to care. You are the star. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. 
Now, back to the power party. This business of showbiz. Well, our party's all about witches today. And during the break, Josh, our engineer, just told us that they're going to be making a Hocus Pocus 2 movie. So how fun is that? All the same cast, everybody coming back. Heather was extremely um Ex- extremely excited about that. Why are you so excited, Heather? Oh, my God. That was just a movie of my childhood. It came out, I think, in 1993 when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. it was just, like, Bette Midler. It was just, you know, like, cute Disney, or I think Disney. Yeah, it's Disney. Movie. Yeah, it's Disney. Um, you know, and it was just fun. And Halloween is my favorite holiday. I love I love dressing up. I love, I mean, our house is all decked out right now. We have certain, our own little, hol, you know, Halloween rituals. And I, I just, I love that. Not, even though I'm not trick-or-treating anymore, I love the trick-or-treaters coming. I just, any excuse to dress up. And I just love that time of year, the, the scary but the fun. And, um, yeah, carving pumpkin, you know, the tradition. It's just, there's just, you know, some, for me, that's my Christmas in a way. Well, you know, I was going to talk about some of the origins of Halloween because it's so interesting how many of the traditions that we celebrated in my own household when you guys were kids and that you guys still do today that actually date back to ancient festivals. Like, so the, there was an ancient Celtic festival called Sowin, and it's actually spelled S A M H A I N, but it's pronounced Sowin. Now, the Celts um, settled in Ireland about 2,000 years ago, and United Kingdom and France. And um, anyway, they marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter with this festival. And they believed that on the night before. The new year, which for them it was November 1st, that boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead came to life. So on October 31st, they celebrated Sowin, and it was believed that the ghosts returned to the earth. And in addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, the Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids, which were the Celtic priests, to make predictions mm-hmm. about the future. So they were entirely dependent on a volatile natural world, and the prophecies were really important, um, and it gave them comfort. So what they did is, guess what they built? Huge bonfires. <laughs> so the people gathered around, and they burned their crops, you know, and then afterwards, and they wore all these costumes. They wore all kinds of costumes. And yeah. they would, and guess what the costumes consisted of? They would wear things like animal heads and skins, and they would tell each other's fortunes. And then when the celebration was over, they would take some fire from the bonfire and light their own hearth. And that was the beginning of their, you know, their new time. And so I just found that so interesting because what did we always do and what do you do for your celebration? We always have a bonfire at the top of our driveway <laughs> where the kids yeah. have and then we have a bubbling cauldron pot of hot cider and, of course, always have some vino for the adults. And so, you know, it's and of course, we all dress up in funny things. And some of the things that we love to wear, like, you know, how many uh, animal um, headdresses do we own <laughs> that are, you know, they're fake fur and all that, but they're so fun. So I thought when I was um, when I was studying Halloween, I thought, wow, 
2,000 years later, we're still doing the same kind of celebrations. And and we are still celebrating the harvest because it is all Hallow's Eve. Yeah, no, and you know, and I love that whole just of how, you know, Halloween coming to America, um, kind of going from the evils of the witch thing, then sort of the celebration of, again, the harvest, and then how in colonial times, you know, the beginning of telling ghost stories around the campfire, around, yeah. and um, then leading to, to trick or treat things, and how women actually um, thought, you know, this is sort of a thing that uh, became a, the trick or treat that young women believed that Halloween they could uh, divine the name or appearance of their future husband by doing uh, right. tricks with yarns and apples and, and mirrors and sort of, you know, these these belief systems, these things, uh, self-fulfilling uh, processes in our heads. And, and then, uh, you know, eventually um, people kind of starting this uh, Halloween tree or these play parties, as they said. And, and in the 1920s and 1930s, um, Halloween kind of became more celebrated. It became something that they started doing in towns. And in 1950s, it started um, limiting vandalism and, and uh, sort of this one night that everyone comes together. And we know that also in Hispanic culture that, um, um, I was pronouncing it. Dia de Muertes. Celebrating that, you know, instead of it viewing it, you know, the skulls and the pump as, as scary, that those are honoring honoring the dead. And, and it's I honoring the ancestors. Fun. I wanted to say something about the apples because um, Ooh, yeah. we were talking about, you were talking about the goddesses. So the goddess of the apple harvest, her name is Pomona. And, you know, of course, we know that there's like towns named Pomona. There's an apple called the Pomona apple. But what people may not know about is they think that this is, you know, there is that um, the game bobbing for apples where you put apples in a tub and two people bob and you try to see who can catch the. And as kids, I mean, now I wouldn't want to do it. It kind of sounds gross, all that spit and saliva going into (laughs) a a bucket. But when we were kids at all of our 4-H events and our harvest festivals, we always would bob for apples. And but I never really associated it with the goddess of the harvest, Pomona, because she's the goddess of apples. So that's why apples, wow. you know, apples are ripe this time of I, year. Yes, I mean, like I found another thing talking about the apples that said uh, that young women, what they would do with the apples is that they would take apple peels and then they would toss them over their shoulders. And then they would, these things, you know, these, I, it's funny, sometimes these sayings or these things that we say nowadays, it, it just, it, it's just, it's not so funny. So they would take these um, apple peels, they would toss them over their shoulders, and they, um, in the um, expectation that when the apple peel fell on the floor, um, it would fall in the shape of their future husband's initials. And then, um, <laughs> and they would, <laughs> And then they would take an egg and they would uh, take the yolk and they'd put it in a bowl of water and they would stand in front of a mirror in a darkened room and they would hold a candle and they would hope with this candle they looked in the darkened room and in the mirror they would see the face, the future face of their husband. And, you know, these, these these things that um, I mean I guess now it's being silly. I mean now kind of that sounds right. It's just like yeah, absolutely no, absurd. That- but it kind of sounds like, oh, that would be perfect as, like, the creepy girls in the haunted house exhibit. And 
that's something that's so fascinating to you on another um, say, psychological level of how humans, you know, we want to truly be safe, but um, one of the fun things, I mean, Halloween can be this really fun uh, time, and it's kind of interesting walking down our neighborhood, seeing the different um, views of Halloween, the way people decorate, that some houses look really kind of cute, there's funny little, you know, little uh, ghosts and things, and others look horrifying, scary, and right, and some right. are, you know, just like, oh, it's Halloween and harvest, and how it really can be taken and experienced um, and put outward in so many different ways, but it's so fascinating. Well, but getting back to we love scared at Halloween. Getting back to the Halloween matchmaking, um, I yeah. also, you, I mean, I, I think you also know about how in um, in Ireland in the 18th century, a cook would put a ring in mashed potatoes on Halloween night and hope that it would bring true love to whoever ate the mashed potatoes. <laughs> I can't imagine uh-huh. that. And then in Scotland. Fortune tellers would recommend that a young woman name a hazelnut for each one of her suitors. I didn't know you had that many suitors, right? And then you have to toss nuts into the fireplace. If the nut burned to ashes, rather than popping or exploding, this is the way the story went anyway, it represented the girl's future. <laughs> now, in some wow, versions... burning that, the ashes. <laughs> yeah, burning the ashes. But in some versions, it's like the opposite. In some versions of that tale or that legend, if the nut burned away, it symbolized that that love would not last. So don't choose that suitor. So I guess in those days, you had several men lining up for your... Your hand or something. I guess as long as you weren't uh, considered a witch, that must be that must be yeah, the one. <laughs> so um, okay, so I have seen how your house is already decorated uh, the outside. I am all decorated also for um, Halloween, and I really love to being the gardener that I am. I love to use as many things from nature as possible, and things from the garden, you know. And I love to cut like dry grasses and corn stalks, and of course, you have to have gourds and pumpkins. and And the funnier looking they are, the better. And I like to collect leaves, um, you know, all the different crimson and gold leaves that are falling. But one of the things that we did when you guys were kids, and I still have this big basket of bones, when we would go in the hill and we'd find the bones of dead animals, you know, that had been, whether it was cows or coyotes or whatever, and I always put those, I always put a big um, thing of bones out in the garden. Like, I don't know why, but it's a little bit, it's probably a little bit weird, but definitely fun. So, um, you know, we, go ahead. We have a couple minutes oh, left. Oh, no, those are just the things, again, that Halloween, what, I, I mean, I just, I always have just such positive memories. I mean, as kids getting to grow up, so it's sort of, it's, it's now, like many things, it's um, sort of this imagination tradition, and, um, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's ironic if you think back of, this is what we're talking before about with the witches and these trials and how it, it would be viewed so pagan and anti-religion uh, to be uh, doing these things now. And now it is just this wonderful celebration. And I love, again, that thing that with Halloween is that there is also this billion-dollar market about, it, about being scared. We have, there's so many scary movies or there's theme parks or, you know, the haunt, our haunted houses that we like that element of, 
um, I don't want to be scared. I want hocus pocus. Know, that, that it's still not completely real. Right. Um, but that we put ourselves in these horrifying, you know, uh, situations. Well, that's all that's all the time that we have. But I just wanted to always say that um, that we can't cross the path of black cats because people were always afraid in the Middle Ages that witches give avoided detection by turning themselves into black cats. And I have two very black cats, uh, Panther and Luna. And so I imagine that they are just witches in disguise, but they are nice. <laughs> oh, they're wizards. There have to be wizards because they're both males, but they're very nice. So for all of you, uh, remember around Halloween, uh, don't break any mirrors. Don't step on cracks in the road. Don't spill salt. And... Um, there's a lot of obsolete rituals that are out there, but you might want to resurrect some. But uh, have a bonfire because it's definitely, definitely fun. And remember that witches and wizards are good and that what they can do is bring us happiness. Go ahead and we have just one minute left, Heather. Give us one little wrap up, of whatever you'd like to say. Oh, my one little wrap-up, Halloween coming up, and just something that you can kind of tie in with some wine. If you want to make something with some booze, um, a few <laughs> recipes I recommend is making some hot mulled Merlot. I know Merlot gets the bad rap, so if you're feeling like not using it, put it, in the, put it on the stove, add a little bit of, of apple cider or 100% cranberry juice, a nutmeg stick, uh, excuse me, a cinnamon stick, fresh ground nutmeg, and a orange slice. And oh my goodness, happy Halloween. You will and love it. And that is a good witch's brew. Well, thank you so much for being great listeners, allowing Heather and I with you today. Join me every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here, coming to you live on the Voice American Network. We hope that you have a lot of fun and you can make every day a party. For information about Be The Star You Are, go to bethestarur.org. For any coaching or to book me for speaking or anything, CynthiaBryan.com. And, of course, we have uh, eight books out, so go to CynthiaBryan.com and pick up a copy Don't forget, if you're a gardener and you want grass, star 20 at pearlspremium.com. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, motivate, and we want you to read a book because it's like a garden in your pocket. Until next week when we celebrate again, remember love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep you happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And this has been Star Style, and we thank you, we encourage you to be the good witches and wizards that you are, because you are stars. We'll be together next week, and until then, have a wonderful, wonderful week of dreaming, creating, inspiring, and make a difference. Ciao for now. Be the star you are, the star you are. been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program star style be the star you are we have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire inform 
entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.